What we do here is go back, 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 back. Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Table Talks podcast. This is your lovely colored commentator, Eddie. And today, I've got a very unique uh, and interesting individual who I think you guys are going to love. Her name is Kelly. She is a long-distance skateboarder. She does it, uh, I'm not sure professionally you're going to find out, uh, but it's something that she loves to do and she advocates for. Um, She's got a very interesting story. She has a very interesting background and I'm sure that she's ready to share it. So without further ado, how's it going, Callie? Uh, everything's going pretty good. I'm definitely excited to be on the, on the podcast. Awesome. I'm super excited to have you. We've uh, been trying to get this going for a while and uh, we finally did. So I'm, I'm stoked that you're here. Uh, now, before we get started, I'm going to do a little rant real fast because this is something that I thought was uh, kind of funny, but wasn't really funny. Um, so before our podcast started today for, for you, um, I was listening to random music and do you listen to like Spotify or do, what do you listen to? Yeah. You know, I'm not really a super music oriented person, but I, I've been paying $15 a, a month for Spotify premium for a few years now. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. Uh, I started listening to, to, uh, to Biggie Smalls. It started randomly playing and I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm literally getting pumped up by music that I've listened to probably hundreds of times, but like I haven't listened to in a while. You know what I mean? And so like, for me, it was like, there is such a power in music. And so uh, you being an athlete, I was going to just kind of not really rant, but talk about, uh, do you have a specific like playlist that you listen to? Or is there like something that you, uh, a song that you sing to yourself, I mean, or whatever in regards to music that kind of pumps you up or is not really like that for you? Uh, It's kind of funny. Uh, So we do like a 24 hour race. And uh, so during the race, I kind of always feel like I'm going to try and stock up on all kinds of music and different things I'm going to listen to. But what I learned is as I'm skateboarding, the, the beat of the music will actually end up throwing off my rhythm of my steps while I'm skateboarding. Oh, so I've, I ended up just, you know, I put headphones in and I silence everything and everybody. And I just focused, uh, <laughs> but you know, beforehand, you know, I, I have pump up music just like everybody else does. Uh, you know, if, if the band wasn't such a, a terrible, terrible band, you know, that song, uh, <laughs> headstrong usually gets me going and, <laughs> And I'm definitely a frequenter at the karaoke bar when COVID's not going on. So oh, for sure. <laughs> I always open up with Bob Seger's Turn the Page. Oh, good for you. Now, I listen to very weird music in regards to working out. So today my freaking headphones died during like using the the bike. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. Not not that the music was like the 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 sole reason I worked out, but it was like, it definitely helps. You know what I mean? And so... I'm biking and my girlfriend's kind of watching me and uh, she's laughing because I, I know in her head she's thinking like, oh, he's not going to get a personal record time. He's just going to like, you know, get to a point to where it's, it's going to be a normal bike day or whatever. <laughs> anyway, long story short, I had my personal record time and I was like, I don't know how that happened because I was not listening to anything except for the gym music, which is always terrible. Uh, and it ended up being a great day. So not bragging or anything, but my girlfriend's a punk and I always shout her out for every episode, so I'm going to do it early. Not because I want to get out of the way, because I want to talk to her right now. Listen, Adriana, Callie's listening too. You're a punk. You, you, <laughs> you, I, I, I swear, Callie, I was watching her work out laughing at me, but she wasn't looking at me. And I was like, you are, I'm going to do this to spite you. You know what I mean? So 
listen, babe, I don't care if you're cooking quinoa. I don't care if you're running right now. I don't care if you're tucked into bed trying to go to bed and you're laughing right now. But I love you. Thank you for listening to the episode. You're awesome. And you're a big part of this podcast. So there's that. Um, but yeah, music is funny. And uh, the music that I listen to is very different from the music that she listens to. She listens to like Mexican, like mariachi music. And I'm listening to like Eminem and I'm making it very personal. So it's like hilarious. Anyway, super random topic. But Callie, let's jump, <laughs> let's jump into the podcast. Uh, before we actually really talk about what we're talking about, you had a recent surgery. Is that correct? Uh, I've had a few different surgeries. Yes. So you had a throat surgery. What was that all about? Um, well, it was more of a cosmetic kind of thing as a, uh, as a trans person, just kind of, you know, there's certain things that, uh, insurance covers. So right. I've been kind of, uh, you know, using 2020 and all of my downtime to take advantage of that. So it's not interfering with, uh, any kind of life duties, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And, uh, just for everyone in the audience, Callie is a transgender uh, person who does long distance skateboarding. So we're going to talk about both of those topics and I'm excited to learn and listen and kind of hear from your perspective, uh, what it's like and what you uh, kind of advocate for. Cause that's both of those are very different, but they're a part of your life and I'm, I'm excited to learn. So, um, let's jump into this. I just learned firsthand what long distance skateboarding is. How would you describe it to me as a new person just learning about it? Yeah. You know, that's actually something that's, uh, you know, something pretty difficult for me that I've found is, is <laughs> introducing the sport to new people because uh, long distance skateboarding in, uh, you know, the elevator pitch is that it's distance skateboarding really, really far. So distance skateboarding is basically the nerdiest of all disciplines of skateboarding. So there's trick skateboarding, which everybody's familiar with if they grew up in the Tony Hawk era. And then there's downhill skateboarding, which kind of picked up in uh, the like 2009 to maybe 2014. Um, and, you know, now it's all about like surf skating and kind of things like that. And so the world is kind of always changing how it wants to do longboarding. And, and you know, e-boarding has really picked up, especially as the tech has kind of become a little bit more affordable. But distance skateboarding is, you know, in all reality, it's kind of messing with the board in a way that's going to enable you to push it really far for a really long time. So we have races that are 24 hours long, 8 a.m. to 8 a.m. Uh, the very next day. Uh, we have 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons. Uh, me personally, I'm an event host. And so I throw two races a year. Uh, one of my races is uh, 200 miles over three days. So the very first day is 106 miles. Second day, 62 miles. And the third is 35 miles. And then my other race is in Idaho. And that one is um, 100 miles each day for two days. So it's kind of this fun sport where there's really nothing too strict about how you do it compared to like something as competitive as like cycling. But uh, the people are definitely competitive. We have some amazing athletes like within our little industry right now that's about like four to 600 people strong um, as far as, you know, paying members to our little nonprofit. Um, so distance skateboarding as a whole, it's, it is pretty new, but it's been around for 10 years. So I'm the, uh, I'm the executive board member of Skate IDSA, which is the Skate International Distance um, and Super Cross Association. So uh, what we do is we govern distance skateboarding uh, internationally, obviously. And um, so we did, we're celebrating 10 years this year. And so it's kind of been, you know, a labor of love kind of growing it from, uh, from nothing to something. So it's, 
kind of fun being able to talk to it, talk to people and kind of get it out there into the world in a way where it's this totally new concept. So if anybody's kind of interested in doing distance, but really hates that super competitive edgy nature of like cycling or the thought of running makes your knees quiver, you know, distance skateboarding is probably going to be something that you might be interested in. And that's got to be a very unique niche as well. Um, I feel like uh you know like you said the the old way of thinking in regards to skateboarding was like doing kickflips and like uh you know jumping over large areas for a long period of airtime and then now it's kind of gone into surfing like you said kind of different eboards and different things like that how did you get into long distance um skateboarding well so back in high school or actually more like middle school all my friends were super into trickboarding and i was awful at it i really I was the kind of kid that just kind of hung out on the sidelines and, you know, was just kind of waiting for something to happen. Uh, they were always like, oh, you know, jump the three set. And I was like, absolutely not. So, you know, I, time kind of went on. I went to college and I worked downtown and I needed to get to classes and I lived on a dorm, which wasn't really um, near any of the classes that I was going to. So I got this longboard and it really enabled me to, you know, speed up my pace and I didn't have to store a bike anywhere. Um, I didn't have to lock anything up. I could just bring it in uh, to work, put it in the closet, get to work, and then skateboard home. And it was really freeing. I, it was really, what I loved about it was just how detached I was. Like, I never felt like I was kind of bogged down um, kind of by anything or worried about it at all, especially because like a longboard was never really uh, some kind of expensive commodity. You know, if it got stolen, I could just go and buy another one and it wasn't really too big of a deal. So I kind of got started doing uh just skating around town which was in salem massachusetts so i you know started out that way and then there was some times where i was like pretty down on myself and i was like oh i'm just gonna go for a skate and you know then you start tracking yourself you go from one mile and then you do five miles and then you do 10 miles and you're like wow i really skateboarded 10 yeah, miles that day. that's that's impressive yeah so i had i had one specific day uh where things just kind of really got me down and i skateboarded from milford massachusetts all the way to boston massachusetts um and back and that was 64 miles round trip and i was like damn if i could do that i wonder how much further i could go and so i ended up uh skateboarding across every state line that borders massachusetts so first i went to uh rhode island and back which was 80 miles and then i went to um, Hampton Beach, uh, New Hampshire, and that was 71 miles. And then I went to Vermont, which was 100 miles, uh, Connecticut, which was 80, 82 miles. And then I went all the way to New York. And that was uh, a couple of days, uh, like 300 miles or something like that. But anyways, I had done all of these rides over so many months. So I was working a job. Um, I was kind of in the middle of, uh, you know, transitioning my gender, and I was doing all of this. And I started posting these times online, like just on Facebook, just kind of bragging about it, posting in like skateboarding groups. And people were reaching out to me. They were like, you do realize people do this competitively, right? And I was like, what? They do? And they were like, yeah, and your times are pretty damn good. Like maybe you should check it out. And so that's kind of how I got my entry into distance skateboarding. And it kind of became something that I, that I really fell in love with. And, you know, what's unique about distance skateboarding is it's all of these like people who just kind of never really fit in anywhere else they all have right. reason to want to you know be on a board for so long people who didn't fit in with the cyclists didn't fit in with the runners uh maybe they were they, an injury kept them out of doing something that they loved or they're just weird and ostracized and but you know there's a place for everybody in distance skateboarding so i was able to find a home for myself there and it really just kind of turned into something that was 
much bigger than I could have ever expected. That's that's got to be insane. I mean, first off, eighty miles. Now I'm assuming these aren't one day trips, or are they? Oh, they are. Yeah, absolutely. Wait. Okay, hold on. So, <laughs> so how many miles could you do? You, do you think you can cover in like an hour? Let's let's put it in perspective for that. Uh, in an hour, maybe twelve to thirteen. If I'm how? really going fast. How? How is that even pop? Like even on flatland, it's so fast. <laughs> well, it it comes down to the gear that you're riding on. So that's so when you're distance skateboarding, you know we ride like a typical skateboarder rides on a fifty-two millimeter wheel. Uh, that's very hard so that they can kind of, you know, go onto those surfaces like ramps and, uh, you know, kind of like plywood and things like that when they're at parks. But a uh, distance skateboard, a longboard is going to be on uh, 85 millimeter wheels. So literally 35 millimeters bigger, and they're going to be super soft, super gushy, so that they can kind of ride over just about everything. So when you pair that with, uh, you know, some super turny trucks, and then like a really nice long board, you actually get this device that enables you to not only kick the board really far and kind of coast a lot, but you're also going to be able to pump the board. So you undulate in a way that's going to give you momentum. It kind of gives you torsion in the rear um, that's going to enable you to pump the board kind of like a snake would move. And then you're, you can kind of go, like say if you're coming off of like maybe a little bit of a downhill, you can keep that pump going and maintain that speed by pumping. Um, so that's kind of like, a little bit of uh, engineering that distance skateboarders have figured out. And, you know, so we've divide, we've, uh, I say we, but, you know, the industry has kind of come up with a way to, uh, you know, really make it something unique. We have like this device called a uh, G-bomb torsion tail. And so what a torsion tail does is it, is it kind of uh, kinetically stores that, that energy that you're going to be saving while you're pumping. And it enables you to like really bounce off of yourself. So a lot of people, like, especially during these 24 hour races, you know, it's, it's kick, kick, kick with one leg, kick, kick, kick with another. And then you pump for, you know, a quarter mile and then you repeat. That is so crazy. Like I'm like staring at my ceiling going like, why have I never skateboarded 30 miles in an hour? Before? I'm just kidding. But no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's gotta be wild. Like 12 miles. That's a lot. It's pretty damn fast. Like that's, <laughs> I'm not speechless, but I'm, I'm I'm almost there. That's crazy. Uh, so twelve, yeah. Oh goodness gracious. Anyway, um, before I ruin the podcast by like stuttering over myself, um, so you, you get into long distance boarding, you go to these states. Now, you you mentioned that you were transitioning in this time, and was was there any sort of struggle during that transition? And it, I'm not sure if it's a male dominated sport. Um, but if it was, what was it like for you uh, as an up and comer, someone that was finding out new uh, details about what the sport was, uh, getting into groups? I mean, what was your journey like? Yeah, um, it, it was kind of funny because, you know, I had been transitioning for maybe two years at the time. Uh, so I'd been on hormone therapy and kind of everything like that. Um, and I had already done all of my races and I said, oh, I'm going to do this race. And it was the 24 hour ultra skate. So um, I had to fly down to uh, Florida to do it. So before then I started looking at all of the people who are doing this kind of thing. And I, and I reached out to the race directors. I said, Hey, listen, I want to do this race, but you know, I am transgender. I know that it's not really something everybody's too familiar with. I mean, back, back then, I, right. I say back then, but that was maybe six years ago. Um, it wasn't as big of a topic as it is now. It wasn't something that's so well-known or there's so much representation or so much like news about it in the media at the time. So it was still a pretty new thing. 
Uh, so I reached out to the race directors and they said, well, you know, we're a tiny sport. We're not going to, um, we're not going to tell you no. And so I said, well, you know, how about if I sweeten the deal, you know, let's take the Olympics. Let's see what their rules are about transgender athletes, which at the time was you needed to be on hormone placement therapy for one year and you needed to be presenting as a female for like a little bit longer than that or something like that. Um, and your hormone levels needed to be under 10 nanomoles of testosterone um, for at least like six months. So um, testosterone is funny because so a a, your average man has 1,000 times the average, <laughs> the average man has 1,000 times testosterone than the average woman. So when it comes to saying, oh, let, what's a normal level of testosterone for a transgender person to, you know, technically, quote unquote, be fair with, uh, you know, cisgender, cisgender meaning not transgender uh, women, you know, what's a fair level? It, they came up with 10 nanomoles. Now, 10 nanomoles of testosterone is still a lot of testosterone. It's, it's a lot. But, you know, a man has 2,000 to 10,000 <laughs> nanomoles of right. testosterone. So. Uh, so I took my, uh, my test, my blood test to get my levels. And what I came up with was I had 0.5 nanomoles of testosterone. So they said, wow, that's, that's great. You know, we can use this in case anybody wants to question it, but yeah, come on down. Why don't you race? And we'll, you know, take it from there. So they said, you know, it would be funny. And I, and I agreed, it would be funny if I just showed up out of nowhere and I just started dominating, you know, as right. someone who's never competed, they'd be like, oh, you know, that would be great. You know, the trans person comes out and kicks every girl's ass. Um, but that was not what happened. I, I ended up, I did do very well. I did 172 miles in 24 hours, which at the time was a pretty good score, but the women's world record was 204 miles at the time. So I wasn't, uh, number one, I wasn't dominating and there. That kind of set off this kind of momentum where I wanted to be better. And I wanted to kind of solidify myself as like a, a very serious woman athlete. And, um, you know, so over the years I kept training, I didn't get a first place win until 2018, which was two to three years after I had even begun, uh, completing competing. So it was, it, so it wasn't like, you know, the, the, the precedent was set that, you know, trans people aren't coming out and dominating. There is no inherent advantage just by looking anecdotally at, uh, what I had accomplished. So that kind of created this air of fairness about it, but, um, the, the entire theory behind letting me compete in the first place, even if I had never said, Hey, you know, let's kind of, you know, do a little bit of PR and make it fair for everybody. Um, basically it was, you know, what if I did show up and what if I did dominate and what if I blew everybody out of the water, they would be like, Hey, you know what, if the news came and did that story, you know, no PR is bad PR. Right. So they, they were just like, yeah, whatever, come and come and compete. And so I did. And, and it actually went really well for me. Did you get any animosity early on from people that knew your story or were that was, was anyone told or was it kind of just not swept under the rug, but kept in the secrets in regards to like being taken care of and, you know, fair is fair and whatever. And let's move on. Was it, was it well known when you showed up or was it like, Oh, Callie, that's the person that was, was a, a guy now is a girl, right? Like, was it like that? Or was it kind of just like pretty, pretty easy going? People are funny because people never really say anything to your face. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Believe me, Cal. That's why I started the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what you look like, punk. Uh, <laughs> you start cussing me out. You're like, you sound like a chump. I'm like, oh, goodness. We got to end the podcast real quick. <laughs> I'll outskate you, bitch. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, but people people they're 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 afraid to say say things to your face. Um, yeah, but so what was funny was you know over the years those first three years you know people did send messages to Skate IDSA before I was ever a part of it, and they were like, "How is that in any way fair?" But uh, one consistent thing was that the only people that complained were men. So it was kind of just like, "Well, why do you care?" You know, right. <laughs> like you're not competing against the women, and the women you ask them and they go. Oh, whatever, you know, just kind of pushes me to be a little bit better. And I had never won against them. So they're like, yeah, who the fuck is Callie? She's not winning. Right. So it was just like, whatever. So the only people that had a problem with me, you know, that's kind of just the inherent kind of homophobia that exists all over the place that you'll find in any country, in every town, everywhere. So uh, nothing too out of the ordinary and nothing to my face. Um, but, you know, I kind of always wanted to strive to be on the, uh, the side of fairness and, you know, transparency. So, um, that was kind of what I made my mission with being a, uh, you know, a transgender athlete, you know, back in, uh, college, I was a lacrosse player back in high school. I was a lacrosse player. Um, you know, I played every single sport under the sun growing up. And so, you know, was I a good athlete? No, but was I athletic? Yeah. Did, you know, so a lot of people, they question the, the fact that I had lived X amount of years, um, in a different body beforehand but you know people really underestimate what hormones do to your body you know people oh, think yeah. that, people think that hormones are just like strength and stuff like that but you know hormones are also controlling your like body metabolism or your fat distribution they're they're controlling um you know the way that your brain responds to certain things it's controlling um you know, just all kinds of different things, things that you like, the, the way that you talk. And it's, it's really, you know, balancing hormones is really this game that doctors are playing. It's not a sound science at all. So it's not just like, oh, you know, you can just take steroids and be super strong. Um, you know, that's why, you know, people, if, if that was true, people who did steroids wouldn't be going to the gym also, you know, <laughs> right. They would, yeah. They wouldn't get all those other side effects. So it was kind of like, I had to do my part of educating people because nobody else was going to do it for me. And, uh, you know, so there was like one specific instance uh, where this girl had, you know, confronted me and she said, you know, I'm not sure it's fair that I have to compete against you. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And how is it not fair? Like you've beaten me. This girl dominated me in every race. She beat me in Miami. She beat me in Atlanta. She beat me in Bend, Oregon. Um, you know, she whooped my ass and not just by like a small amount. It's not like it was even competitive. Like this girl beat me and she's like, I don't think it's fair that I have to compete against you. And well, it was like, why? And, you know? And um, so, you know, she never really put up any good reasons. And, and so over time, you know, X amount of years, uh, we ended up becoming really good friends. And so, you know, there, there is room for people to change and for people to understand as long as the information is out there. So, I always, I never wanted to just come out, do my thing and then leave. I always kind of wanted to make it, you know, it's, it's a learning experience for me too. You know, I didn't just, I wasn't just born in the world like, ah, you know what? Trans people can play sports. You know, I had to learn and I, you know, if it, if I had genuinely believed that it wasn't fair, you know, being competitive, why would I want to compete then? You know, I wouldn't want to be some kind of outright cheater i wouldn't want to just like show up and dominate i mean there are people who are like that but uh you know if you're gonna have any kind of respect for yourself or for other people then uh that's not how you uh carry yourself in the world so in regards to me and what i feel about it because i'm definitely i definitely don't want to play devil's advocate but i want to see what you think so one of the biggest reasons why i started the podcast was not only to have like a, a good 
conversation, but was to basically not be like everybody else, right? So I want to ask the questions that people are really thinking but won't, won't actually say, you know? Like for me, that feels good because even if I sound like an asshole, I'd rather get the truth out of the the person that I'm not, not that I have a problem with you, Callie, even though you called me a bitch five minutes ago, but um, just, just the fact of getting like an, an answer from the source, you know what I mean? And so like as a man, right? I've played sports my entire life. I love basketball, baseball, football. You can ask anybody that I know. I'm a huge, huge sports guy. So like my dad played professional baseball when I was growing up. He boxed, you know, he's very into it. Um, and, you know, he, all, everything, right? And so I grew up playing sports. My brother grew up playing sports. And I don't know how I would feel um, in regards. To, so I played, you know, men's leagues in like in my hometown and it's a it's it's co-ed but but optional right so like if you felt like you could play with the guys because it's a basketball is a pretty physical sport um if you're playing with people that are competitive right uh if a girl comes and plays with us, it is very different for a guy to go 100 percent against a girl and that's not because it's anything that's a girl's fault and that and this is just me speaking honestly and i definitely want to hear what you have to say but it does feel a little bit weird because uh, physically we're more physically imposing. Most guys are just the, that's the way that we're anatomically built. Um, and it's just a lot of different factors, but in regards to like looking at transgender athletes that, that have like um, switched from one sex to the other and then dominated. So mostly like when men switch to females, um I, I i don't have an exact example for it but i think that i've seen something like a like a wrestler you know what i mean where it's like so physically imposing that it's not even like close what do you think about all of that uh well the first thing i would say is that you can't blanket statement sports you can't say uh that there's always going to be an inherent advantage because you know if a man was gonna play if a man was gonna try and do gymnastics against a girl uh, who do you think would have the the genetic advantage on the um, on the balance beam, or you know who would be able to do uh, you know statistically more flips? So you know you're talking about basketball, right? So the sport of basketball was invented by a man. Uh, it was invented for men, and women weren't allowed to play basketball specifically until the '70s when Title IX actually came out. And the first teams that played, which were uh, Berkeley and Harvard, I believe. They came out and played uh, their own basketball teams. And the reason that the women's division was created was because men said, uh, we don't want women to beat us. And that was why they made the women's division. So now you have a sport that's created by men where uh, the, the structure of men, I mean, nobody's going to tell you that men and women um, genetically aren't different. And nobody's going to tell you that testosterone doesn't benefit a, a player, but when it comes to these sports, you know, you have to think like these are sports that aren't designed or, you know, think back to like the ancient Olympics. Women weren't allowed to play sports from the ancient Olympics until the 18, until the 1930s, actually, uh, was when the women were first allowed to play. So you're talking about literally thousands of years when men were allowed to not only evolve, but also compete against themselves in sports that were created by them and for them. So now women, when they're finally allowed to play, uh, you know, do you think that like a man, just because he is more imposing, would be able to beat, uh, you know, a girl in field hockey? Probably not. So now you're talking about girls who come on to play 
basketball with you and in this sport, in this co-ed sport, are these girls who are, you know, predisposed to playing basketball? Are they competitive basketball players? And if so, were they even remotely competitive to the point to where they wanted to be playing? So I hear what you're saying. Um, and in regards to, you know, gym, there are certain sports that are, I think, beneficial for certain sexes. And so like, there's some that are pretty universal uh, soccer, for example, right? Like that's not, it's in, in certain ways, it's beneficial to be more physically imposing in certain ways. It's better to be light on your feet and fast. So it's like, there are different benefits for each thing, but I mean, I think the, the major example would be like wrestling. Like if a man decided to switch to a girl and, and did everything, you know, under, under the sun that they were supposed to do, but the man was six foot three, 260 pounds. And now it's a, two, a six foot three, 260 pound woman with, you know, like, and, and maybe I think my confusion would be that they grew up playing a sport that was made for men practicing the way that men practice because it was made for them. So they've, you know, they're genetically and uh, anatomically built to be good at the sport, because like you said, the thousands of years of history behind it, um, but now they're switching to a female. And I, I, I think more so I'm asking about how that works and what you think about that, because there would be a physical advantage in regards to that. No, like, do, do you do you kind of see what I'm saying or no? Right. Well, so that's what I'm saying is so there's a difference in sports. So there's, you know, natural sport where there's running and swimming and then there's created sport like baseball, basketball, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, but then you have sports like like bodybuilding and wrestling and sports that don't necessarily have anything to do with, uh, you know, camaraderie on a team or, you know, any kind of specific skill with like some kind of adaptation. Um, you know, when it comes to wrestling, I mean, there, like I said, nobody's going to tell you that testosterone doesn't give you an advantage, but now you're talking about just someone who's transitioning from, you know, male to female and jumping on and just playing sports. No, that's why we create rules. That's why we create a system that scientifically proves that, you know, these people would have equal abilities. So when it, when someone is on hormone therapy for a, for two years, you know, I, I don't know if you listen to uh, uh, what's his face, uh, the president's son, loser McGee out there, whatever. <laughs> He recently just stood up in front of a bunch of people and like went on a rant about transgender athletes. And he was talking about this, this study. But so what the, so what he didn't realize about this study is that it actually proved uh, exactly the opposite of what he was saying. And so the study says after two years, um, there is no, they, they did this study on, on transgender people in the military. And they said that, that uh, you know, trans people in the military after two years would not have any advantage over a cisgender person. Uh, not that there's any sport where you're doing push-ups, unless it's a push-up contest. Right. Um, but, you know, there, there is studies that can say that. So if you can create the level playing field, then, then, then so be it. And if you're competitive, then you could take on that challenge. Uh, you know, kind of the same way in boxing, you know, like, uh, is Jake Paul going to just go out there and, you know, take on Mayweather? I mean, he might think so, but you know, the, all of the numbers could be sacked against him. And so he gets to choose if he's going to do that fight. And so that's kind of what it comes to when it comes to sports like wrestling and things like that. But, you know, take a look at bodybuilding. There's no, they judge men and women on the same exact things. And I, I, I had been wrong. I had thought that they were judging men and women on different things, but they separate them by gender. But now, 
you have to remember that gender is not some kind of quantifiable number. It's not, it's not something that you can just say, oh, here's X amount of female in this person. Like, it's not something that exists. So, you know, when it comes to like, oh, is, uh, like, you know, say it's a high school sport and someone says, oh, I'm trans, but I now want to wrestle against the women. But right. if you read that in a newspaper, you go, oh, fuck that. That's that's ridiculous. Like, uh, unbelievable. He's going to have an advantage. But you don't know that this kid's five foot tall and 110 pounds. You know, is he going to have an advantage against the other 110 pound women? Probably not. Uh, right. And I think for me, it's like the, the, the big thing is like there are extremes. Right. And so the extreme would be like wrestling, a physically imposing sport. Not to say that, you know, any guy could beat any girl, right? So I don't want to be like, I'm going to pull a random sophomore from high school and uh, have him wrestle a girl who's been wrestling your entire life. You know what I mean? Like not saying that the practice and the, the work ethic and everything that went into this, this girl getting to this position of competitiveness, right? But she would lose just because she's a girl. That's not what I'm saying. And I, I really hope that you you understand that because... This is this this question for me is more of understanding for my <clears throat> for my point because there are physically imposing sports like you're saying there are very neutral ones in regards to like what you put into it is what you're going to get into it, get out of it so like bodybuilding or I'm not sure if there's really a physical advantage in like swimming um or whatever so Women it's like have the advantage in swimming by the way so I, I mean I wouldn't know <laughs> that's what I'm saying so there there are different sports with different advantages and so well, it, it's, well, it's so... kind of hard it's kind of hard for me to like wrap my head around it it's like i would feel just as a man uh like i wouldn't want to go and this might be just me being ignorant and not understanding um the level of competitiveness for a girl but it's like there are different ways that like competitive girls like what i'm saying is if i were to fight a amateur boxer that's a female just because i'm a guy does not mean i whoop her ass if i was really trying and if she was really trying does not mean just because I'm a guy, I have a, an advantage over her now, physically, anatomically, the way that I'm built, I could be bigger than her. I could be stronger than her. She could have better technique, whatever the case is. So there are other factors, but it's like some, like not all guys are super strong and super tall and super fit and whatever. There are very different people, but it's like, phys uh, do you, do you kind of see what I'm saying? Like physically imposing wise, like it's just, it's very, it's hard to wrap your head around. Not that I'm against it or unwilling to, but like from a level of understanding, like you were saying, the general population, when they see a newspaper and it reads uh, transgender girl win state championship and whatever sport, whatever it is, people get, you know, upset or whatever because they feel it's unfair. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to trying to wrap my head around the fact that it that it would be fair. Um, and I think, well, well so, so, so think about it this way. So, you know, you said, you know, phys a physically imposing sport, but you know, that, that kind of, that kind of ignores where I was saying, uh, you know, we, a create a level playing field can be created, but a level playing field hasn't been created. So you're talking about a six foot three, 260 pound person from each gender competing against each other in wrestling. You know, the first thing I would say is any wrestler would tell you that it is not about your size. It is absolutely about your skill. Um, and, but on top of that, you know, just like I said about testosterone. So, so is a 260 pound six foot three guy going to face a 260 pound six foot three woman? Well, you know, on paper that looks great, but like I said, with testosterone and things like that, we don't have the, um, 
we first of all we don't have the sample size to create this level playing field so it would be more like it would be much more like a 160 pound um man with would or a 160 pound cisgender man who has not had any um hormone therapy would then fight say maybe a 180 pound woman you know they would be proportionate you could create a proportion in which that exists but you know that's why i was saying where we have sports that were created by men and for men so we don't have these sports where a level playing field where these proportions that take in every single person's genetic diversity and create a sport you know so we we do have running and so what we've seen in running and uh and in cycling or maybe not cycling but so what what we've seen in running and swimming you know these natural sports that don't require any kind of additional uh gear or anything what we've seen is that over time women's records have been catching up to men's. So I don't know if you heard about the woman, she, she ran a, an ultra race, which is 100 miles. Uh, she had just given birth maybe six weeks before. Uh, she was pumping breast milk out at every single pit stop. Um, and she beat the top man by 45 minutes. So now that is a very serious win. Oh but, yeah, for sure. And, and at the end, they didn't even have a first place women's trophy. They only had first place men's. So she said, well, give me the men's. You know, and that was just kind of the way that it is. So that's why we're in this very interesting time because now women's records are, are at a point where they're competing against themselves. They're competing and they're also competing against, uh, you know, the men's records that have existed. So if you're looking at like a chart, um, women's records started at the absolute bottom because they had no experience. They had no genetic diversity to play these sports, but over time they've now caught up. So, you know, looking at a chart that shows these statistics of women, you know, almost like the stock market on, you know, something just absolutely blowing up, uh, which in the stock market, they call it a big green dildo, but it's basically <laughs> when that's what these records are doing is we're seeing women consistently start to dominate now. So, uh, you know, the race across the West, which is a cycling race, a woman won. Um, you know, there was that ultra that I was just talking about. So that's why when people see people have this inherent bias to want to believe that transgender people are better because they have certain preconceived notions about men and women in sports. They have uh, certain preconceived notions about men in sports, which, you know, may or may not be true. But so like the thing about transgender people and confirmation bias is that when a transgender person wins, it's news. It's always news. Like there was recently a transgender uh, woman who won this amazing cycling race. Um, and it was a very close race, but she won. Uh, and she had actually even defended her title. But the interesting thing about it is that you don't even know, because it wasn't even in the news article, that 10 other trans people had been in that race, but they all right. lost. So right. nobody cares about them. And so, you know, this, this, is, this is actually kind of a, a trend is that, you know, once it's in the news and it gets passed around, everyone's like, oh, they're always dominating. They're always dominating. But nobody hears about the losers. Like, you know, there's this woman... Um, I forget what her last name is, but her name is Michelle. Uh, she plays for a Canadian hockey team. Uh, she had been playing for two years. And uh, then she's in the middle of the season. She goes, oh, by the way, I'm a trans woman. Uh, I transitioned about 10 years ago. And everyone was like, whoa, really? And everyone, and everyone was like, oh, well, it's not fair that she plays. And it's like, well, she's been playing for two years. She's not some kind of outlandish superstar here. So we're just going to not do anything about it. What if she was, though? Well, what what if she would it, was? Would it would it matter, right? That, I mean, I'm just I'm thinking on your on your level. I don't think it would matter. 
Right, exactly. Well, see, that's the thing about sports is is we're talking about like this genetic advantage and all this stuff. But it's like, you know, in sports, do we not celebrate genetic diversity? I mean, look at Michael Phelps. So Michael Phelps doesn't uh, produce lactic acid. He produces 50% less lactic acid than any other human on earth. So what lactic acid does is it creates your lactic threshold. Your lactic threshold is your, uh, it's what makes your muscles tired. It's right. why people give up in the middle of sport and all that. So Michael Phelps doesn't produce lactic acid. He produces t- uh, theoretically zero lactic acid in every single one of his races because he would need to go for almost like 10 hours before he even began to feel a little bit tired. Um, and he's not the only person in the world who's like that. But Michael Phelps walks away with every single gold medal and so on and so forth. And nobody bats an eye. That's genetic advantage. We celebrate genetic advantage. But, you know, if a trans woman shows up and she's, you know, somehow genetically superior, everyone says, oh, oh, my God. And everyone's all up in arms about it. You know, but that's that's because we're separating genders arbitrarily. You know, we're not putting any thought into why we're doing it. Uh, you know, we could theoretically just throw everybody in a big pot and make them race against each other for the next 10 years. And I think that you would find some very interesting t- statistics. But so what I'm saying is that we are in a time where all of this is being shaken up. We have this incredibly interesting time where you know uh, records are being made, records are consistently being uh, being made, and we have this amazing thing called the internet where we can just like communicate with people and make it so apparent. And so it just kind of inspires people. And so people are getting better and better and better. And so I think that what you're going to find over the next 10 to 100 years is that you know gender diversity in sports is going to be a much more uh, prevalent thing. And I think that you're going to find that gender division in sports is going to disappear. So where we have like women's sports, it's going to be a lot less because people think that men and women need to be separated, but more because, you know, we have things like uh, misogyny and stuff like that, where women, you know, they need like a girl space, you know, because, you know, we do know that, uh, you know, women have a, huff, a hard time uh, with, with men in the world because, you know, there's just so many awful things that happen all the time. So I think, you know, there's, there's a lot more to be seen, but as it is now, it's kind of just like, all right, well, let's, let's lend to the science. And there, there is a couple of scientific studies. Um, if you do listen to my podcast in any way, I do link to them and I talk about them a lot. Um, but they do go over, you know, the effects of hormones on trans people and their abilities as athletes. Um, but the science is very sound and it's peer reviewed and it's all kind of uh, very interesting to look at. Um, I'm not some kind of expert on the subject. I'm just someone who's uh, involved in the athletic nature of trans people. Well, and so you're passionate I- about it too. So it's not, it's not anything that you can be commended for. But uh, I, I think maybe the big question is going to come out of this for me in regards to understanding because I definitely hear what you're saying. You have a lot of information, a lot of facts about it. And obviously you're in that realm of being a transgender uh, person in the uh, sport. What you were saying basically in regards to uh, a level playing field or the attempt to create one is that the testosterone levels have to play a part in making it a fair, fair game. Is that, is that kind of, am I getting that right? Uh, it, not that they, not that they have to, but that it could be one factor that could be adjusted to create that level playing field. Okay. Because it's just the example that you used was the 160 pound, five foot one guy would have to theoretically, I don't even know if you said theoretically, but would have to, to, to play against a 180 pound five foot one girl. 
uh, for it to be, I mean, that, and that was an example, not that you're seeing specifics or anything, but wouldn't that in and of itself show that there's an advantage somewhere or why wouldn't it be a, the same across the board is, is kind of what I'm trying to say. I, I'm trying to ask really, cause I don't understand if they weren't, if they weren't the same factors across the board, then why would it matter? Well, I mean, if, if you're 180 pounds and you're six feet, you can play in the same exact, um, you know, weight class as somebody who's a hundred and I don't know, whatever number I just said, um, and, and five feet. So, you know, there's going to be a genetic advantage, but it's going to be based on, on weight, but you're still gonna be able to play in the same weight class. So the, the aspects of it all haven't really been discovered, you know, because there's probably not a ton of 150 pound, six foot people playing, uh, <laughs> high school wrestling, uh, right. that are, you know, going against it. So, and I'm talking specifically for like the, the, the difference only being not height, but like, let's say same height, same weight, same age. The only difference is the sex. Do you think there would be an advantage or no? Somewhere. Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Let's say, and let's say, let's say even like same, like amount of experience, like, you know what I mean? I don't want there to be any like factors outside where it's like, oh, I'm going to pull this guy that's never played soccer before. And I'm going to play this girl who plays club soccer and plays for the school. You know what I mean? Like I want it to kind of be like even, but the only difference being the gender. Do you, what do you think the difference would be in regards to like uh, benefit for one over the other? Right. Well, so, you know, if you're talking about wrestling, yeah, there, there would be an advantage, you know, men, uh, you know, cisgender men have, have larger hands. They've got, uh, you know, on average, larger hands to grip things with. Uh, right. They've got bigger feet to make themselves more stable with. Uh, and, but, you know, a woman could theoretically go longer in the ring. You know, she's got uh, larger lungs to work with or a quicker moving heart. Um, so, you know, just off of the top of my head, yeah, sure. There, there could be an advantage there, but that's why, you know, we do create that level playing field. That's why we wouldn't just throw those two people in the ring together uh, because, you know, the sport is not set up in a way that allows for that level playing field. Uh, if you wanted to, you could, but, uh, but then you would have to take factors into consideration. Like, you know, let's measure every, let's measure their biceps, their forearms, their thumbs, their, their collarbones. And, you know, right. There'd be a lot of measurements for sure. But I think, so with, with that being said, the guy versus girl scenario, but with the, with the gender being the only difference, I mean, there are level playing for other attempting to do level, level playing fields in, in transgender sports. Is that, is that what you're saying? Are they yes. trying to do that? Okay. Yes. So. And, and so that's what I'm saying is, you know, especially with the, uh, the Olympics rules, they had, you know, with the testosterone, they had limited the amount of testosterone that someone can have. Um, and they also, you know, make sure that you're on uh, hormones for a certain amount of time so that they've had time to work, you know, because you could, you could just inject uh, a bunch of estrogen into your body and take an anti-androgen to block your testosterone and then right. you go take a test and it would say oh you passed but no it has to be a studied factor over an x amount of time okay and so why do you think they don't do that with men versus men in sports in regards to different ethnicities and cultures because there have been studies that have said like african-americans have uh longer legs or like you know or you know people from russia have and this is all theoretical i'm not giving you any specific data mm -hmm. but it's like uh that a russian has broader shoulders and so that would be an advantage or a disadvantage here like, why would they not do that in the Olympics when it's a global thing? And I mean, I know it's it's like country versus country and it's it's for, you know, basically pride and gloating for the next four years. But it's like if the level playing field is so important for a guy and a girl in regards to uh, being fair, why wouldn't they do that with uh, men on men uh, competition and female and the same thing for females? Like you, you, you tend to see that a lot of and it's not to be racially insensitive or anything, but like a lot of winners tend to be 
African-Americans and when it comes to racing or uh, more of the Asian countries when it comes to ping pong or, you know what I mean? Or uh, I guess basketball for the United States because we've been more established in other countries for a, a lot longer. So it's like, why would they not create more level playing fields for that? Like, why wouldn't they just say, well, you can use this athlete because he's this rating on our system, but he needs to go against these two guys because they would match his, his skill set. Do you kind of see what I'm saying in regards well, to they, my question? They, they do in some ways. And, and I okay. do see exactly what you're saying. Uh, you know, maybe not so much the ping pong thing because. You know, yeah, that was, that was they, totally just a shitty example. <laughs> I the, promise the, you. The Chinese, they, they literally pay people to exist to play ping pong. That's their entire life from when they wake up to when they go to bed. Um, right. But, but yeah, look at the Boston Marathon. Kenyans uh, consistently win. And then, you know, and then, you know, look at the, the sponsors for Nike. You know, you got Kipchoge who's coming up with those ridiculous shoes and, and things like that. Uh, yeah, I do exactly. I see what you're saying. Uh, they do test for for, um, you know, they, they test for uh, steroids and they test for drugs and they test for things like that. Um, you know, take a look at the Tour de France. That's that's a boys club and you can't right. be over a certain height. And uh, that no woman has ever competed in the Tour de France. Um, they do have certain things that they do, you know, just like in, uh, you know, the Olympics. If you're going to compete in the Olympics, uh, especially in uh, the women's sports, um, you can't be under a certain age. Uh, right. because you know who's to say you couldn't just throw a six-year-old out there who's like some child prodigy and she could you know tumble her way to victory and get a 10 um you know compared to someone who's you know 22 um so they do have they do have certain things it's not a perfect science and that's why i'm saying you know uh in sport we we celebrate genetic diversity so why are we trying to stifle right. it? i mean you look at somebody i don't know if you heard any of the the drama about castor semenya but it's a oh I just burped. Uh, it's a very similar topic. Nice, uh, nice, you nice. Know, so, <laughs> so Castor Semenya is an intersex person, and so um, you know back in the '40s, uh, the Olympics had something that's called uh, like the gender test, and they literally like they look at your chromosomes and they say, oh, this person is not enough of a woman. And you know people who were you know cisgender, born woman, uh, they were being denied because they had too much hair on the top of their lip because people are literally going in there. Uh, poking and prodding and inspecting them and they go oh nope that's not woman enough for me that was a thing that actually happened that's and insane so now you look at what's going on with castor semenya and castor semenya is a very large uh black woman who is a uh, competitive athlete in the olympics uh, they tested her testosterone and she's got too much so they said okay get out but that's someone who was born you know she has you know all of the female parts um, so where, where are they basing any of this off? And that's kind of what I'm getting at is just how arbitrary all of this is, you know, in, in general, you know, so, so what did they do to casters? They took away her medals and they took away her ability to compete, even though there's really no basis for it, because are we testing every woman along the way and s deciding that they're woman enough? So I'm really happy that you've said everything you've said, because, um, in regards to my audience and everyone that, that follows my podcast, they know that I'm not a person to argue, right? I, I, I'm so open to learning. And I'm a very open-minded person. So like you saying everything that you said and all the information, it's really like enlightened me and like helped me learn. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because the kind of person that I am is I hate people <laughs> that pick and choose when they want to follow whatever they want to follow. Right. And so for me, it's like, if you're going to do it, do it all the way through. Don't pick and choose whatever you want. Right. And let me give you an example. Uh, COVID people want to choose when they want to wear their mask. 
but then they don't want to wear their mask because it's not convenient for them at a specific time. In regards to comparison to what we're talking about, people want to, you know, um, magnify issues with transgender stuff, but they don't want to talk about Michael Phelps and what he was born with genetically, right? Or they don't want to talk about Usain Bolt and him having much longer legs in this competition being a huge benefit to him winning these races, right? And so it's like there are so many people in this world that will pick and choose what works for them and then try to justify it because it's comfort as opposed to being right or wrong. And so that's the only reason why I was asking you these questions is because I can believe whatever I want and you can believe whatever you want, but there has to be a general consensus of like, no, 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 no. Like there is a right and a wrong way. And what we're doing right now as a country, as a society, as a race, isn't really working because it's picking and choosing. It's not, it's not a laid out, like agreed upon everything and maybe it never will be. And hopefully it's always going towards that direction. But do you, do you kind of see what I'm saying? Like it really sucks because like you said, exactly. Um, or like, for example, guys that play professional basketball, their wages compared to girls, it's not even freaking close. It's not even remotely understanding, right? You know, it doesn't really make too much sense because it's like the average NBA player makes like $5 million a year. And then the average WNBA player makes like like 30000 a year, 15000 a year, something crazy. Like, it's not even like in the same spectrum. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing with uh, with women's soccer and men's soccer. I mean, we all heard about the, you know, women's soccer have have won like international championships over and over where the men's haven't even placed in the playoffs. And, you know, as far as the U.S. is concerned and uh, the women still make less and they even lost in court for the ability to earn the same exact amount. Um, You know, there's there's always going to be, you know, so every time we have facts, we have discussions like this, you know, I wouldn't be a very good advocate if I didn't examine all ends of everything. And it, and it would right. certainly, it would certainly be a pretty terrible uh, way to look at any subject. If I wasn't, um, you know, if I wasn't examining all of the things that you're saying, everything that you asked me is not unique. It's something I've heard before. And it's something that I've talked about in my podcast. And it's, and it's things that are absolutely worth exploring. I don't think that there's one central answer to the question uh there's there's central answers to questions like what is two plus two or you know what did uh you know how many how many teeth does the human body have but is there you know these are these are sociological questions that have you know very pertinent basis in the world that we live in today uh if i went back to the 1800s and i started talking what i'm talking people would shoot me i'd be dead they'd oh yeah me, they'd call me a heretic <laughs> and it would be ridiculous it, it would i would i would literally look like an if idiot. i went back and was talking about you know the fact that the average nba player makes five million i'd be called a bitch and then i'd be killed <laughs> <laughs> exactly but, but there has to be an open-mindedness to it i mean does it give me a weird feeling when it comes to that because i don't understand as much as you do maybe and maybe i need to learn more about it but it's like there has to be an open common ground in regards to discussing that and hearing both sides because literally if you don't you're no better than american politics <laughs> it's like it's a it's a joke if you if everyone thinks that they're right about everything then man good luck to us because it's a bad it's a, it's a bad bad way to live it's it's makes yeah. no sense at all precisely i mean you're, you're preaching to the choir i mean as far as american politics goes i can't even believe that we we put everything into two parties when there's a million different problems that people have to vote on and a million different ways to look at every single problem so yeah. it's it's not unlike that in a lot of ways people want to just say oh 
transgender people have an advantage, transgender people don't have an advantage. But it's not like that. It's a conversation that needs to happen on a much larger scale with this science. But the problem is, you know, people don't want to hear about science because that was kind of like one of the first things I said. People have the inherent bias. Uh, they have, you know, homophobia is so ingrained in people. I mean, like, you know, you might not even think that you have it, but, you know, you might in general just be like, oh, that's gay. <laughs> you know yeah and, and and it's just a thing that people have so you know it's 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 just the way that the world is and it, and it's going to continue to be an ongoing conversation this conversation that we're having now is not the it's not the last time that i'll ever talk about it uh, it's certainly not the first and we'll be talking about it in 20 years too it's it's a thing it's one of those things that there should be a right answer but when it comes to like stubbornness or pride or whatever the case is it just turns into a a shit show and it usually turned into arguing so it's like yeah whatever i'm good but we covered a lot with that so i'm stoked because that was very informative i think on both sides maybe not for you so much because you talk about it more than i do but um i mean ideas from both sides are always a healthy thing so I, yeah um, absolutely I, I definitely appreciate uh being given the opportunity to kind of run my mouth off <laughs> of course and um i mean let's let's jump back into distance skateboarding so i do have a ton of questions that i wanted to ask you um uh, it's something you pass- you're passionate about you love it um do you ever not race competitively yeah absolutely uh so in 2017 i skateboarded across the country i whoa um, what you did that's freaking (laughs) crazy yes in in 2017 i left from bend oregon and over the course of 48 days i skateboarded to boston massachusetts uh now i'm not going to to lie i did uh hitchhike a little bit along the way (laughs) <laughs> and I ran into a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble, but that was what made it interesting is it was the adventure skateboarding of it all. And that's, and that's something that I try to tie into the races that I host is the adventure of skateboarding, because not everything needs to be uh, competitive all the time. And, uh, and that's what I think is lost on a lot of people. People just say, you know, especially with cycling, you know, you join right racing and then that's the end of it. But some people, they do, they just go and they ride their bike. Skateboarding should be the exact same. So so yeah, I skateboarded across the country in 2017. Um, you know, it was it was a lot of mileage to cover, and I left in the in the middle of the winter. Um, but you know what? I wouldn't do any of it different. And it was uh, it's something that I I wish that you know I I felt like I wanted to go back and do it. I would never do it again. It was it's definitely like a one <laughs> once and over experience. You know, so in you know directly after finishing skateboarding across the country i then skateboarded up the state of florida over six days 400 miles i skateboarded from miami to jacksonville you're like i sold my skateboard i stopped skating it was worth (laughs) (laughs) no no i didn't and but so i did um go and do that right and then a year later i did the same exact route but reversed so so then i went from jacksonville to miami but i gave up halfway through i was like hey you know what i already did this (laughs) right yeah (laughs) yeah so it's about adventure being something that you're always chasing. So, so you know, skateboarding began as, as this adventure kind of thing for me, and I wanted to continue doing it that way. And that's why I skateboarded across the country. I was like, I got to bring back the fire uh, because competitive skateboarding just wasn't doing it all the time for me. And so right. like now, now I'm a, I'm a race host and I do the ultra skate, but I won't, you won't catch me flying out to, you know, San Diego to do a marathon or anything like that. Like I will just stick to those races and do my own thing. The thing about that too, is it's like, I think there was more to it than what you just said. Like the going back and doing the reverse, but you you had already done it. Right. So I think the thing with that is 
it's not the idea of chasing adventure. It's the idea of chasing something new. And like, that's what it is. Like I've talked to so many people that like Callie, I, I can't even express how much it bugs me that I didn't get to travel when I was a kid. Like my family was very poor. And like the longest that I went from like my hometown was like Los Angeles, which was like a two hour drive. So like for me, it sucks to, when people go, where have you traveled to? And I'm like, Oh, I've gone like a couple hours South. And like, I was like an idiot. Um, but people are like, yeah, I've been to Egypt. And I'm like, Oh, would you ever want to go again? They're like, ah, I've already been there. You know what I mean? Like it is so wild to me that like somebody would like spend the money take the time off, go and do this amazing trip, love every second of it. But once they're done, uh, I've already been there. You know what I mean? It's not as special as going to Canada or it's not as special as going and seeing the the Northern Lights. It's that chase for something new. And I think that like, that's kind of what life is. And the cool thing about that is you're always going to find something new because you will literally never do everything in your life. You can't. So you got to yeah. pick and choose what you're passionate about. You, you know, I, I, I drove back across the route that I skateboarded on um, in a car and I was able to recognize every single crack in the road, specific potholes where I had avoided and houses on the side of the street that were nominal to me and things like that. Uh, so so that's why I'm like, you know, I, I probably wouldn't repeat the adventure. The, the idea of adventure, just like you were saying, is to is to keep seeking it. Right. And so a couple questions about your your big trip, big trip. Was it a solo riding or was it were you with somebody else? Yeah, it was a solo ride. It was me Holy and crap. my backpack. I, I initially began, uh, CNN was filming me and trying to do a documentary about it. Um, but when I first set off, I wanted to set a world record. I wanted to do 100 miles a day across the country. Uh, I very quickly realized that not only was I going to be unable to do that, um, but I didn't want to because uh, I started meeting people along the way. And that was kind of why I hitchhiked a little bit too was because for the first time in my life, like a lot like you, I'd never traveled ever. That was the first time I had ever been uh, to any states that weren't touching water. And so I had been meeting all these people from a totally different life. You know, I went through Nebraska and Indiana and, uh, you know, these are states that had never met a transgender person before. And so they're like, you know, it was new to them and it was right. new to me. And it was, it was this totally cool experience. I made a lot of friends along the way. Uh, I also made, uh, you know, some people who didn't like me and, and it was a interesting, interesting trip. Um, but yeah, it was, it was even better because I was solo. That is not something that I would want to do with somebody because I've done rides where I've been with people and, you know, sometimes you feel like you're holding them up. Sometimes they feel like they're holding you up. Um, or you feel like you're not doing enough to make it a good enough adventure. And right. I really wanted it to be all about me. And, and, and I make a lot. Me, of me, 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 me. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I make, I make a lot of things a lot about me. I'm a very uh, narcissistic person. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, so for me, I can only like relate to that. I went to Oregon for like four months to work during the summer after I graduated high school um, to like escape my life and like really do something. And I quickly realized that like, the kind of person that I am first off love Oregon. So that was like the best place to learn about myself because I was doing me. I was doing anything that I wanted. I wanted, I could go and hike. I could go and sleep all day. I could do whatever. Like it's not, there's no rules to life really. I mean, there are, but they're called laws and they're broken all the time. So whatever. But uh, I literally went up there by myself. And like, I remember like the first couple weeks bliss loved it. The best thing in the world was having the time of my life, learning how to drink I wasn't legally allowed to, but you know, who, who's, who cares? Um, and then I quickly realized like, wow, I don't like this life. Like I, I know I'm learning what I don't like, which is a very weird thing to learn by yourself because it's like, it's not 
like you can run home to mom and dad anymore. It's not like you can like cry about it because you're an adult. I mean, you can, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And learning about yourself on these crazy journeys that you take yourself on called life, it's got to be liberating, man. It's 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 got to be something that really does take you to the next level in life as a person uh, and as somebody that's going to continue to grow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, some people, they learn that lesson way too late and, you know, they get sucked down by, by money, economics, politics, uh, you know, stuck in their own hometown. And, and that's a lesson that not everybody learns, you know, so it's kind of, uh, you know, I, I'm totally with you. It is something that you go out, you live in the woods and then you say, Hey, you know what? Nah, that's not for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, like me, I was, I was a big drinker. I was a big partier. Uh, I, 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 I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love partying, but I'm not partying every single day of my life. I realize that I have other things that I like living for. Um, some people do make it their life and, and you just got to find out what you like. If you like drinking, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to rain. On I mean, <laughs> yeah. alcohol might eventually rain on your parade, but <laughs> right. There are people that go and do stuff and they're like, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to say yes to everything. And it's like, you quickly realize how stupid that is because there are a lot of stupid people in this world. So if I'm going to give any advice on this podcast, don't just always say yes, kind of think about it a little bit. I mean, maybe take risks and have fun, but don't be stupid people. Um, Now you're going on this solo ride. Uh, What do you do for shelter? What do you do for food? What do you do for safety? Because you're going by yourself. Yeah. So I had initially left in my backpack weighed 55 pounds. Uh, It was way too heavy. Uh, and I had food and I had cooking supplies and everything like that. Uh, within the first 20 miles, I ditched it. I left it on the side of the road. Uh, I took a jacket <laughs> and I, I wrote with a little marker on the back of the jacket and I said free and I just left it. And so um, I, you know, I did collect a lot of donations before I left and I collected a lot of donations uh, along the way because I was, you know, I'm a pretty good marketer. So I was able to, you know, raise a lot of awareness about my ride as I was doing it. And so a lot of people just donated. They were like, oh, yeah, let's see how this fucking idiot uh, plays out. And <laughs> they're, like throwing, they're like throwing change at you. You're like, I'm not fucking homeless. Like, right. chill. Like, yeah, exactly. And so uh, so then I decided instead of, you know, trying to do 100 miles every day and cooking along the way and, you know, doing it like that, uh, I'm just going to go town to town and I'm going to eat what the locals eat. And so, you know, I tried to make it a rule, you know, let's not eat any fast food. Let's just eat at a local joint everywhere I go. You know, obviously that's, uh, not so important in cities because it's just like, hey, you know, let's get the hell away from people. Right. Um, but, you know, I, and I did that. And that was how I ended up meeting a lot of really cool people. And I have so many amazing stories uh, from so many different towns. Um, and, and that was kind of it actually ended up being like a catalyst for me to not carry food with me because it was like, oh, now I'm not just skateboarding, but I'm also looking for food because I'm fucking hungry. And so that was like a cool yeah. thing. And uh, but I had a tent. I had uh, a solo tent. And, um, and that was great. And I had a, I initially left with a pretty bad sleeping bag. Um, but when I entered, once I got into Idaho, temperatures started dropping very quickly and the amount of daylight dropped very quickly as well. So I went to an REI and I bought a zero degree sleeping bag. Um, and I still have it to this day. That is the best sleeping bag I've ever been in. Uh, you know, I use it as a blanket when I sleep. Um, it was just like, I could have slept outside in the middle of the winter in my zero degree sleeping bag. And so I felt very safe, very comfortable. Um, and, and I think your other part of the question was safety. Uh, I didn't bring anything for safety. Um, I, I am definitely someone who tries to see the best in people, uh, especially as someone who didn't know what they were getting into with the kind of people that they would meet. Uh, I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, what? let's, let's play it by ear. Um, 
as far as like putting myself into, you know, scary situations, I didn't really do much of that. You know, I'm pretty good at, at getting out of the way and diffusing. So I didn't have any, any worries like that or anything. Uh, I did want to bring like some kind of self-defense, but ultimately uh, I'm glad I didn't, you know, it, it would have just been extra weight. Right. And so let's talk about some of those awesome stories. I want to hear your freaking story, Callie. That's like, first off, <laughs> It's insane. And I'm sure that you've told these stories as many times as like anyone's, you know, ever thought of talking about this whole freaking journey with you. But also give me a story that you've never told anyone, Callie, or one that you thought maybe, you know, people aren't going to resonate with because Callie, I'm different. I'm <laughs> I'm your man, Callie. I want to I want to hear the story about Joe Bob Schmob in Missouri that used to like take a shit in the lake and like was like a rich guy that lost it all. You know what I mean? I want to hear those heartfelt whatever i want to hear the story about how you went and voluntarily babysitted for a kid and lost him you know i want to hear all that weird shit that happened that you don't really think too much about but you laugh when it when it does pop into your head give it to me callie or give me something that you usually talk about i don't care but i want to hear some some juice man i want to hear literally i want to hear all the the cheese maze what we say in spanish i want to hear all of it so so one of the one of the greatest stories of the entire trip is is where it really started going south um, and so I had just come out of Idaho Falls and, uh, and it snowed and that was just terrible. Um, I wasn't expecting it to snow and I also wasn't expecting to be 7,500 feet up. Uh, my trip kind of really set me in a different direction, but I had, uh, stumbled onto this teeny tiny town looking for a, uh, a hot spring because hot springs are great because you can just sleep next to them. Animals don't really go near there because they don't drink the water. Uh, bugs don't live in the water. Um, and it's just kind of a good place if you want to set up a camp, um, especially because they, they're usually existing in clearings. And, and of course, you know, it's hot water. So I was looking for this hot springs and I realized that this hot spring lived on land that was owned by somebody. So you had to pay to go to this hot spring and it ended up being a resort. But the resort was closed for the winter. So I'm in the middle of this teeny tiny little resort town outside of... Um, Grand Tetons, maybe, maybe like a hundred miles outside of the Grand Tetons, but that's like six hours of riding for you. So whatever. <laughs> so I'm doing this. I'm in this tiny little town. It's called Heisey, Idaho, if you ever heard of it. And I'm like totally lost because now I've gone way out of my way to go to this hot spring. And this woman's like, well, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm skateboarding across the country. She's like, oh, that's funny. I'm, I'm cycling across the country, but I'm going North to South. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, She's like, here's 50 bucks, whatever. So I never hear from her again. Um, and I'm riding out of this town and I see this person and I'm like, hey, 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 do you know anywhere I can sleep? She's like, oh, well, our campground's closed, but here we've got a cabin. She's like, why don't you just stay in this cabin? And so I stay in the cabin, uh, beautiful, awesome cabin. I have got like an electric uh, fireplace. I'm like, this is like, this is living, you know, this right. <laughs> and it was all free. It was just great. She just wanted to hear my story. She just wanted me to shout her out on social media. I did. I took a picture with her. Fantastic. Um, somewhere, maybe an hour later, uh, people just started showing up at, at the door and they just started giving me food. I had so much food that I didn't even know what to do. <laughs> they were bringing me candy. They're like, Oh, you probably need soda to, to keep your sugar up. And they were giving me two liters of soda. They were baking me bread. They were, you know, giving me sweatshirts. I was like, Oh my God, this is like way too much. And I ended up leaving most of it behind. Um, but it was funny. Cause so the very next day, as I'm leaving, I finally get off this town and I get onto the main road. That's going to take me into Wyoming. So, cause, um, 
I wasn't quite, this is a little bit before Idaho Falls, but so the next stop would be Idaho Falls. And so as I'm leaving and I'm trying to get to the main road to get into Wyoming, um, there's this little coyote in, on the side of the road, not like an adult and there's no adult around and it's bright. So I'm, I know that this coyote is not where it needs to be. It's a little bit lost. And I'm like, oh shit, look out for the wildlife because yeah. now I'm in a place where wildlife exists. Um, and it's not so weird. Like it, it wasn't weird to see wildlife because there was a lot of nothing everywhere. And so this little coyote and I have all of this food. So I ended up uh, taking out some of the bread and a coyote ate So bread. you stole out- this coyote. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, so basically the coyote is in the backpack now. <laughs> His name is Charles. <laughs> uh, yeah, the coyote ate bread directly out of my hand. Uh, and it was it was a really strange experience. Uh, you know, this little trash dog was just, you know, digging into into the bread. So I ended up leaving the bread and I and I went on and the snow got pretty bad on me. I, I make it over the Wyoming border. And so as I'm getting into Wyoming, there's like, I have, I have a choice before me. I can either go to Jackson, which is a little bit uh, west, which was the opposite way that I was going, or I could go east. And I said, okay, well, maybe there's like a campground that way. And so sunlight's getting pretty low. Uh, you know, it's three in the afternoon. Once four gets there, you're pretty much screwed. Um, so I, I keep going. And of course, there's nothing. So I'm just like, fuck, you know, what am I going right. to do? And so I'm going and going and going. I'm hoping I'll see like some kind of house or anything or some kind of convenience store, nothing. I didn't stock up on any food because I had just left everything that all those people gave me. And I was like kicking myself for that. I was like, why did I, you know, I was, I'm so concerned about weight this whole time that right. I didn't even think of what I might need. Cause I had no idea where the hell I'm going. You know, I, I, I planned out a route, but it, it didn't really mean anything. So, so anyways, I find a little clearing and I camp out. Uh, it's freezing cold and, I, and I'm so sweaty. I got so sweaty every single day from just skating and skating and skating with all this weight on my back. Um, so it was so cold that my clothes had begun to freeze to me. So I slept right. butt naked. I slept butt naked <laughs> in my tent and the, and there's so much condensation from inside of the tent that I ended up w- waking up in like frozen, like, like literally completely frozen. Uh, couldn't even move. It was awful. Um, but so the next thing I'm trying to keep going, I'm like, all right, I got to keep going, but I got no water now. And so I drank some river water and so I had, I had a life straw, but I couldn't figure out how to use it. And kind of in my <laughs> anger, I ended up breaking this life straw. And so I was like very upset, didn't know what to do. I was like, screw it. I'm going to drink the river water. So I drank the river water didn't really think anything of it. I, I didn't oh, end up getting, no. I mean, I can just, I can preface this. I can say I got very sick, <laughs> yeah. um, but I didn't get very sick until I was in what comes after Nebraska, Iowa. Um, yeah. I was in Des Moines, Iowa when I got, when I got really sick, but um, so I'm going and going and I check Google maps and I, and I, and there's a, there's a town up ahead and I'm like, yes, finally there's a town it's maybe 15 miles up so i'm like walking i have no energy i'm totally dead i haven't eaten since the 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 morning before i've had no water and so i keep going and i see this convenience store with the light on and i'm like all right let's do it and so i walk up to the door and it says sorry grandma's sick we'll be back wednesday oh my gosh and it was dated for um and and first of all it was thursday and and it was dated for 2013 and it was 2017 oh so, my goodness so nobody had so grandma never came back and neither did they 
why don't you just go into the just break in at that point just there's nothing in there there's nothing it was empty there's a light on and there's just nothing in there oh my goodness so there's no there's nothing in there uh i look across the street and the the little school it's like oh here's the little something school the roof's caved in um and that was it that was the whole town it's just totally nothing and so i'm like fuck and i kept going i ended up getting to a point to where i found all these construction workers who were prepping the cement for a big snow that was going to come and uh, I ended up hanging out with them for the rest of the day. They were like, oh, we can't give you anything because that would be a liability for us as government workers. So they weren't even allowed to give me water or anything. But they said, if you hang out, once the shift is over, we'll take you into the next town. So <laughs> that was kind of how uh, I deal. ended up surviving <laughs> that day was by making it there. That was a nightmare. And uh, but yeah, so I went on, I went on and, and it wasn't until, you know, maybe like two weeks later that I, I got very, very sick. Um, and I got Giardia. And if you know what Giardia is, it's what puppies get when they eat their own poop. So it was just like, <laughs> Not funny, sorry. it wasn't, it wasn't good. And I, I ended up having lasting effects of Giardia uh, up until like maybe a couple months ago. Really? What was that? Yeah. Uh, well, so some of the lasting effects of Giardia are you become lactose intolerant. So I had to stop, I had to cut out cheese completely uh, oh. from my diet and uh, couldn't really hold a lot of food in my gut. And I would basically regularly get diarrhea and things like that. Um, basically what Giardia does is it makes you shed the inside lining of your colon. And so it, you become super, super like susceptible to everything that enters your body. And I had to do this diet called the low FODMAP diet. And basically what it is, is you basically eat like nothing. <laughs> you eat like water and like bran and that's it. And wow. it's, and you do it for, uh, as many days as you possibly can and you clear out your system. And so that was really, after I did that, I started feeling a lot better. And, uh, but, you know, I, in, in, in all of that process and all of the three years, you know, I had, I had salmonella, I had E. coli, I had Giardia. It just basically set up this entire trajectory for me to have an awful kind of gut biome. And my doctor said to me, they said, um, they said, somebody could eat the same exact thing as you and I would get sick and they wouldn't. Wow. That is wild. That's <laughs> like, I don't even know how to like, first off, don't ever drink river water. Cause that's like just a <laughs> playground for bacteria. Like you're, you're asking to get sick, not asking but for Giardia, that, but that, that was I'm your only choice. You, that river water was the best, most delicious river water I ever had in my life. I've never had water that tasted anything ever like it it was, it was running. So I, so I thought, you know, if the, if the water is running, it should be good, but it wasn't, uh, it was so ice cold. It was so refreshing. Oh, it was wonderful. And I'm going to assume that's the last time you drank river water. That is the last time I drank. (laughs) You're like, and I'm going to assume that's the first time you drink. You're like, that is the, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it is both the first and last time I ever drank river water. That's awesome. Well, that's a crazy good story. I'm glad that you survived. Thanks to the construction workers and the random $50 that you got from, from said traveler. Um, I want to know where this lady lives so we can go get free bread because uh, there's nothing like a good home baked bread, honestly. And some, some soda would be cool. Um, <laughs> so on your travel, um, what, I mean, do you have any super unique places that you loved that you were able to come upon? Like uh, some beautiful places that were maybe weren't on your journey, but you kind of side side went to and, and we're like, wow, this is insanely crazily beautiful and no one's here. Yeah, I think one of the coolest places along the way was um, 
once I entered the East Coast, I was kind of in familiar territory. Um, but I had left, um, what is the name of that city? Pittsburgh. I left Pittsburgh and I was going and going and going and got very sidetracked all, all along the wrong way. Didn't know where I was going to be. Uh, but I ended up in West Virginia for just like a mile. <laughs> and uh, this place in West Virginia, it's like listed as one of the most remote locations in the entire United States, uh, or at least in the, in the East Coast, you know? So it's, uh, you, you can't even have a cell phone out there because there's nothing. There's like maybe 10 people that exist within the area. Um, but- <laughs> And the, you're five of them. <laughs> but the, the, the stars that night, it was the, there was like no light pollution. For the first time in my life, it was like no light pollution whatsoever. Um, probably one of the most calming, most amazing experiences that I've ever gotten to have. And, you know, I've seen some amazing skies before. Like if you've ever been to uh, Glacier National Park up in Montana, um, you know, definitely one of the most beautiful skies really anywhere in Montana. But, uh, but that was such a unique experience because I didn't expect it. You know, I was coming out of Pittsburgh and, um, and all these other, all these other crappy cities, you know, Pennsylvania is a real shithole, but um, (laughs) in general, it was, it was a pretty cool spot. Um, I also, you know, contrary to a lot of beliefs, I really liked Nebraska, but I, I only liked Nebraska as a skateboarder because so if you're going west to east, so Nebraska's flat, it's flat as hell um, until you get to around the Omaha area. But if you're going west to east, it's flat, but it's on like maybe a 0.0005 decline. So I was able to basically stay on my skateboard and push and I would go for miles without having to kick the board because the wind would just push me along. And I was That's on this crazy. very slight d- decline. I gained a lot of miles by just sitting there and listening to music and chilling out. It was very cool. That's, that's awesome. Now, now this is a, probably a stupid question, but just, you know, entertain me for a second. Um, when you got into West Virginia, did you just hear like a, a, a humming in the background that just went, Take me home, country road. Did you? I mean, was everyone singing it twenty four seven? And then you just see like a random carry on the side that goes West Virginia. And just, <laughs> is that a thing, or am I, I just you know being no, imaginative? You're absolutely right. You, I'm, I'm not some kind of idiot. Of course, I blasted that song as soon as I saw the sign. You know, like, yeah, absolutely. But the funny thing about West Virginia is that they don't want to be called West Virginia because to them they are the real Virginia and Virginia is a poser. So they call, um, they call West Virginia, they call it West by God. And is that not one of the most in denial things you've ever heard in your (laughs) life? Like we are not what we've been for years. Like (laughs) we are the true Virginia, like, okay, get out of your cult, like relax. It's a Southern thing. I don't know what it is. That is so ridiculous. But they they call themselves West by God. And, uh, you know, if if you're from anybody in that area, they'll they'll be like, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm coming from West Virginia. They'll be like, oh, you mean West by God? (laughs) West by God sounds like a a Kanye West, like, album cover. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, my God. How is that not a Kanye West album cover? It'll it'll definitely be one. It's his next one. Yeah, it's his next. I was telling everyone today at work that if – if Kanye West becomes president in 2024, the White House will be the most late recording studio in the history of ever. And he's going to just drop an album, like just fire mixtapes just for days. And <laughs> and I was thinking, too, because there's a whole like Kim Kardashian and him are going to possibly get divorced. And I was thinking, like, has there ever been a single president? 
like a like a not married president and uh, i mean from what we found out there there's always been you know a first lady so it's like who would it be would there ever be like a first like would would kanye west have the first first man what that's don't crazy. get it twisted. Donald Trump is very much single. There's no way that guy has <laughs> ever. She is a strong, independent woman. <laughs> That's so freaking funny. Oh man! Don't, don't quote me on that. I don't want that appearing in a magazine or anything. Oh, it's definitely going to be on the uh, 100th episode of my favorite moments for sure. She's like not. She doesn't even know his first name. She doesn't even speak English. Oh, that's awesome. Well. Super cool. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, you were able to see a non-light polluted area. That's got to be one of the craziest, like, and most simple things, but so beautiful because the amount of pollution that we do as a society and as a human race is kind of disgusting. The, the worst thing is, is how uh, incredibly avoidable it all is. Oh, you know what? That's going to be podcast number two. Anyway, <laughs> before you did your, uh, your trip, what did your family and friends say to you and how do they think of it? Uh, well, so... You know, after I had transitioned, I uh, hadn't really talked to my family in quite a while. Um, so I didn't tell them. Um, and I was living in San Diego at the time. And I, you know, I, I lived in Massachusetts. And after I had transitioned for a little bit, I was like, ah, you know, it's time for a new adventure. I'm done trying to, uh, you know, exist in this world that already knows me as one person. So I decided to pick up and leave. And I just picked up and I moved to San Diego. I had no reason to be there. Um, so I went there and I got a job and moved in with some strangers on Craigslist. And um, so, but at the time, the reason- Hold on, hold I, on. I'm not going to let that go under the, the radar. Moved in with some strangers on Craigslist? Callie, you're better than that. You've never done that? I want to so bad. My girlfriend would be so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you move into some, some, uh, some roommates. Okay, keep going. Yeah, and so- the reason that I had done the trip, I mean, I had always wanted to do the trip. Like as I, I always told myself, you know, if I can skateboard across every state line of borders, Massachusetts, then there's no reason I can't skateboard across the country. That was always a goal of mine. But after living in San Diego for so much time, I kind of backed myself against a wall. I had, uh, you know, I had broken up with the person I was dating. Uh, I had lost my job. Um, I actually quit my job for another job and then that, that didn't work out. Um, so I lost that job and then I couldn't pay rent and I just had nothing going for me in San Diego. So I was like, all right, um, let's turn a negative into a positive. Let's go, let's go achieve my dream. And so I did. And so I basically came up with the idea and I left a month later. Um, so I spent an wow. entire month uh, marketing the shit out of it and talking to people, you know, CNN. Uh, if you search my name, Callie Little, um, you can find a BuzzFeed video about me and all these articles written about my trip. Um, and that and that's all because I had I I had really marketed it and I, I kind of spent that whole month just like hey let's let's tell people about this let's make this a real thing and so I did. Um, did you have but, a big social media presence at the time or was that just you reaching out and sending emails and? Um, yeah, and well, so I had made a lot of waves being a, a transgender distance skateboarder. Um, so you know, I I didn't have a big social media following, but but I had I had a, a name in distance skateboarding where. Um, you know, a lot of the major companies that were sponsoring things, they were like, oh, Callie, yeah, yeah, we'll throw some money at that. And then they share social media posts. And then, you know, people who see that donate to me and um, kind of turn into into a thing kind of just by doing it that way. So I, I was very, it was very beneficial for me to have already, you know, gone through the adventures of racing. Awesome. Well, that's, 
that platform must have definitely paid dividends for sure. And then it turned into this incre- incredible, crazy adventure. So heck yeah. Totally. Um, now to wrap up the episode before, before, before we start talking for four more hours, cause I feel like we could talk forever. Um, in regards to advocating for long distance writing and for anyone that's interested or that, uh, maybe is starting it or maybe somebody that's a transgender athlete, even, I mean, you've got a lot of different avenues. I feel like that you could speak to yourself. Um, but how would you go about it in, in regards to maybe encouraging, motivating, or just advocating, uh, or just really speaking from your heart in regards to people that are listening that can relate to you? Yeah. So, uh, if you're, if you're a transgender person and you're looking to race and you're looking to meet people, I have done all the work for you. The, uh, the, the work, <laughs> the, the, the rules, Take exist. Me home. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rules exist to, uh, to allow you to play. Um, and so that is, uh, something that I spent a lot of time doing, but, uh, just in skateboarding is so much more than gender. It's so much more than racing. It's, uh, it's about, finding a group of weirdos that like riding skateboards for a really long amount of time. Uh, it's not something that's cost prohibitive to get into. And it's not something that uh, you have to be particularly good at to take, to take part in. Um, you don't even have to have any skills on a skateboard because no, it, as, as far as balancing goes, you know, these boards, they're super low to the ground. Uh, anyone can do it. Um, I think that, you know, if you wanted to get started, the, the, the best way you can do is, you know, check out the IDSA, which is uh, the international Distance and Supercross Association. Um, I would check them out. I built the website. That's what I do. Um, I also am the executive board member. So if you need someone to advocate for you or to kind of you know sell you on it on a much more personal level, you know, reach out to me. Um, it's it's a it's a community. It's a family. You know, every time we meet up, we we consider it like a family reunion much more than like you know the next race. So it's if it's something where you kind of feel like you got nowhere to belong and you know you need something to keep yourself active, you know, come and join us. Awesome. Um, and then any last words, I'm going to start saying that from now on at podcast, because I definitely want you to cover any bases you want to cover and I'm definitely interested. So do you have any last words before we, uh, kind of wrap it up? Uh, last words. Well, so I recently just started my own, um, like web hosting business. So if you've got an idea and you want to start your own business, uh, my business is called crap host. And that's because every single domain that has the word host in it is taken except for crap host. So I bought that one. (laughs) Um, so if you are looking to start a business and looking to get online, uh, that's what I do. I think that the world has a huge opportunity for small businesses and individuals who are kind of looking to get themselves out there. Uh, me, myself, I'm an advocate for everybody. I would never judge anybody. Uh, and I want to make sure that everybody has an equal chance. So if you, if you kind of want that, you know, give me a chance. Um, on top of that, I do have my own podcast where I'll talk a lot more about sports. I'll talk a lot more about, uh, you know, being trans and sports and gender, uh, on the whole. Um, and if you like hearing my voice, um, I'm also a voice actor. Awesome. That's, that's freaking awesome. So, um, People, check Callie's stuff out. Uh, she's got a lot of stuff going on, and she is an advocate for people in general. And so um, I will put all the links for all of her um, projects, websites, um, social media gatherings in the episode description below. And so if you want to check her out, they will be accessible to you. Um, so great. So before we <clears throat> before we wrap it up, um, I like to do this thing called the two-minute segment. Now, everyone that's listening to my podcast know that it's the thing that I love. I like to do. I love to be a guest on my own podcast. I think it's unique, weird, and I'm kind of interested in people being people. So, uh, Callie, you've been an incredible guest, but you need to do me a favor and fill your two-minute segment spot. What do you think? 
All right. I was thinking about what I want to do for a two minute segment, and it kind of relates to the very last thing that I just said, uh, which was voice acting. Uh, but so voice acting is, is very prohibitive because there's so many voice actors out there. So it's all about finding your niche. And so what I, I found that my entry into voice acting is actually doing narrations for um, adult erotic novellas. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh. I think it's something that not a lot of people know about, but you know, erotic writing is a, is, is a multi-million dollar industry. And so, you know, if you want to get into it, there's a way to get into it. And it's funny, you know, I don't know if you know what rule 34 is on the internet, but it's uh, if, if it exists, then porn of it exists. Um, and <laughs> the same is also true about uh, erotic writing is uh there's also some kind of smut about it and so i think it's really funny um but so i built myself this little podcast studio and and i've only done three episodes and i was like oh you know how how else can i do this and i found somebody who was looking for someone with a voice like mine and um so now i'm I'm making a little bit of money on the side doing doing voice acting for erotic novels i don't know if if you've ever thought about being a voice actor. you got a great voice for it thank you so much i really appreciate that like uh, the reason why I started podcasting was because I love sports growing up. Right. And so I would listen to commentators and whatever. And there were people who were talking so passionately and were so informed about like whatever they were, you know, um, broadcasting for. And so I was like, that would be literally the coolest job in the world to like talk about sports and get paid for it. And then also like be there watching the sport and then get to like meet people and network. Like for me, that was like a dream job, but it also never made sense money wise to me and i definitely wanted to like have a house and like be financially stable i, I let money kind of cloud my judgment which is stupid so that's why i started the podcast because i'm like maybe i can like network and get you know practice and like you know have something under my belt if i ever want to go somewhere and be like hey i have a podcast that has 300 episodes and we talked about west virginia and we talked about a coyote and rule 34 and then i get hired as a as in the porn industry it's gonna be great hey i think you could do it <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, also, I was going to uh, ask you, do, do you know or have you heard about, um, <laughs> we're talking about it at work today. I guess you could send pictures of your feet for money. That's fantastic. I've done that before. You have not. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. How does it work? Where do you go? If All I right, could make well, money for sending pictures of my toes, are you kidding yes. me? There, there's a network of creepos out there and <laughs> there's a network of creepos out there with money. And so, uh, you know, nobody's going to tell you that feet fetishes aren't a thing, but uh, what's funny is how easy they are to find. So, you know, uh, back when I was not necessarily so skilled in my own industry, I was doing... Um, Stop talking yeah. right now. <laughs> I was I was looking for ways to make money. And you're so like was, you're like man. I could use a quick twenty right now. <laughs> taking pictures of just myself. They go, you look like you got cute feet. And I said, hey, you know what? You be the judge. Send me fifty bucks. <laughs> Did how much do you think you made off of feet pictures? Oh, under a thousand. I mean, it's not something that I did, but it was it was enough money to get me through. How did you, how do you find them? And I'm not taking notes, but also, <laughs> but also please excuse the typing in the background. I would, I would, st- <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would start by going on Reddit and go into those really dark and seedy, weird, like, uh, I don't know if you spend any time on Reddit, but it's uh, uh, like, that's how I found you. Yes. What, oh yeah. yeah. Whatever the subject is gone wild, just search like feet gone wild. There's your, there's your entry. <laughs> oh no. Sorry. So let me type that in feet gone wild. 
babe, I'm making us money. I'm paying rent this next month. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yes. So your 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 idea is for a, a novella erotica. Yeah. Oh my god. And we could sell feet pics at the same time. Oh my gosh. And then like we can like we can do like feet puppets and like do like ventriloquism <laughs> and like talk. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure You've it out. You've gone too far. It's a weird niche, <laughs> but we'll figure it out. It'll be like the top trending thing on Reddit. That's an awesome two-minute segment. That was super enjoyable. Thank you so much, Callie. My two-minute segment is people. The idea of self... Okay, I love like talking. Like I'm, I literally talk with my hands so much. And like I like like clap for some reason. I don't know if you can hear it, but like I feel like I'm talking to a crowd for whatever reason. Like I'm that guy on like tech day where I'm like, I have a little Bluetooth thing in my ear. I'm like people, I do a backflip and everyone's like, yeah, um, <laughs> but people, it is not a bad thing to celebrate yourself. And I mean this in the most like self promoting way. That's not selfish. So like, I'm not saying if you're super prideful and I'm like, yeah, you know, I benched 450 at the gym, like take that bitch. Like it's not like gloating, but like, it is so healthy and so good to celebrate yourself. If it's like even a small accomplishment, if it's something you took a risk on and it worked out for you, like it is so good to like, not saying like go get an ice cream cone every time you like take a step or something. Don't make it stupid. But like if you work towards something and it's something that you're passionate about, you love to do or that you're striving to do. And then you actually complete that. Like that's a, that's a big deal. And if, if you talk to anybody that's made it anywhere in life, they will tell you that it's not about the big picture it, oh, they, they won't say that, but they, 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 they will emphasize that it's about the small baby steps that get to that big picture. And so if you can, if you can promote yourself, if you can be, uh, you know, not, not getting confused, the idea of selfishness, uh, as opposed to celebrating yourself, it's a really healthy thing. And I think it's something we need to do more because there's a lot of like negativity, a lot of shitty, like vibes going on in the world right now because of like politics and because of like COVID and because of like depression rates going up that nobody wants to talk about because of this and that and whatever that like it's really good to like talk about like the the positive things and to really make it a thing that like hey share it with your partner hey share it with your friend hey share it with your your family whatever the case is share it with freaking Callie or me whatever but like it's so good to self promote yourself in a way that's going to be encouraging and like make you strive to do more i don't know if you agree with me Callie but like what do you think yeah i couldn't agree more uh my my thing about that is i say instead of just celebrating yourself i say celebrate yourself uh after after you're done with everything, you know, it's best to like, you know, go through your process and then celebrate rather than try and, you know, reward yourself in, you know, whatever they, whatever that brain response is by telling people all along, all along the way, it will be way more rewarding for you if you save it and then come out at the end once you've already hit your goal, because then you've got nothing else to work, to work for. And you could just sit back and revel in all the praise. Right. It's a, it's a big deal. And I totally agree. And it's probably more, more so of what I was intending, but it's, I say that because I never really do. Um, so like my podcast, it's something that I started and I'm sure that you started your own and you probably do a lot of your own editing and everything like that. And it's like, there were high and low points for sure where it's like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this, if it's even worth it. And then there were like high points where it was like, holy shit, this is like so fun. And I'm meeting people that I would have never met before. And like, I would find myself celebrating and being happy when it was good, but really kind of digging myself a grave. And I was like, what the hell is the point of this? You know what I mean? Who gives a shit that I'm in my underwear recording in my uh, my room uh, on a laptop? Like, who cares? But it's like, there's ways to celebrate that's so healthy. And like, for me, like, I've tried to think about it. Like, write down when you're happy. So when you're not happy, like when you're 
kind of not at that high that you can kind of look back and reflect. Like it's a, there are ways to like healthily encourage yourself to get out of a, I don't know if depression is the right word, but out of a slump. Um, and you can do it by just kind of being like real with yourself and saying like, Hey, I've done a lot of good stuff or a lot of productive stuff lately. And then if you really want to and celebrate the right way, just take a picture of your feet, send it to me. I can network <laughs> it out and we're, we're good. I could probably help with the networking. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Me and Callie are starting a business is what we're trying to say. Anyway, <laughs> you guys, I'm so happy that Callie decided to join me on this podcast. We've had um, some tense, real discussions about the transgender community and our beliefs and what we think. And I think that we came to uh, a lot of information uh, swapping on our, our own parts. We talked about her incredible journey through the entire country of skateboarding and you know uh stealing bread from the locals we've we've even talked about you know uh possibly a new netflix original called uh you know uh <laughs> called novella erotica um <laughs> but you guys i am so happy she's on the podcast you've been such a great guest you've been so enjoyable to talk to you've been so professional and fun and all the things and it's been it's been incredible so thank you so much yeah, thank you for having me. This this has been a blast. Absolutely. So, you guys, that's Callie. My name is Eddie. We will catch you guys next time. Thanks for uh, stopping by and uh, keep your head up. All right. See ya. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Back, 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 back.